welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So this morning we're going to do a couple of different things. Um, we're going to do a little bit of, of a little bit of Bible study on on some of the, the Exodus pieces, and uh, and then kind of get into some challenge for our own uh, our own lives. But I think it's important for us as we read through this part of Exodus where the, um, uh, the Israelites are at the Mount Sinai in the Sinai area, um, that we really get a sense of the heart of God. We are going to really get a sense of what is God all about? What is God doing? Uh, what, does God love? Does God care? Is God in relationships? Um, how, do, how is God in relationships? How does God keep God's promises? What kind of promises is God making? We're going to be asking all those different kind of questions. So I guess I want to start off with a, a question that I, that I hope that you'll give some answers for. Um, where is God today? In, in your Christian imagination, when you think of God, where is God? Anybody want to throw some, some answers back? Everywhere. everywhere. Okay. Omnipresent. Omnipresent, God's everywhere. Anybody else? In the people around you? Holy Spirit, yeah. We just threw out three answers everywhere uh, in in the people around us, in the Holy Spirit, all around. That concept is radical, and you compare it to the Israelites almost three thousand years ago. It is a radical concept. If you would have gone up to the Israelites three thousand years ago and said, "God is everywhere," "God is all," "God is in the people around us," they would have looked at you and they would have been, "You are nuts. You're crazy." Because for the Israelites, as, as we're going to encounter uh, in, in our Exodus text uh, this morning, the Israelites, and for the, the whole area in the Middle East around that time, the people's imagination of where God was was limited to a place or to an object. So what does Moses do when Moses leaves Egypt? Where does he take the people? He takes them to where God is. He takes them to the mountain. That's where God is for the Israelites. Um, for the surrounding religions, what do they have? They have idols. They believe that God, their gods are in an object. And in this um, community that God's going to encounter at Sinai, God's going to change the paradigm. God's going to change the whole idea of where is God. And we're going to walk that through all the way up through till when they have to leave the mountain and they're going to go out into another 36 years of wandering in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness. So where is God? So Moses takes the people, and they go they, all the way. They're going to go uh, uh, right to the mountain where Moses had his first encounter. Um, I think last week uh, Micah walked through the whole name of Horeb. Um, actually, this mountain, we believe, has two names, Horeb and Sinai. Um, so they, they're, they're, uh, they're used in, in kind of interchangeable, interchangeable ways. But it's the place where God shows up. It's the place where God is. And so God's going to reveal God's self, and we're going to take a look at uh, what God does pretty much the, the very beginning when they show up. I, can you imagine um, God's excitement? The people are here now. The people have come to the mountain. I mean, if you've been waiting for your family to come to your house or friends to come to your house um, or, or, or you're going to a destination and someone's going to come, uh, come visit you, you are waiting. You're in anticipation. There's this, this moment. And so you can imagine that God is excited. 
God has been waiting for God's people to come. And so in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, God does something pretty radical. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of shaped. Now, we don't necessarily know if God said these words to the people when, when uh, the people first show up to the mountain um, that, that in, in terms of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a language that we can know. It says in verse 18, when the people saw the uh, thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. So in some ways, they may have been able to, uh, to understand God. So God just, God gives them this gift. The first thing that God does is gives them a gift. And it's a gift that we call the Ten Commandments. Now, we may not realize that the Ten Commandments are a gift because there are a lot of rules. And as people, we don't generally like rules. Um, we really like our freedom. And we don't like people telling us what to do. At least I'm not a big fan of, of, of people telling me what to do. Um, but it's a gift. And it's a gift not only because God is going to uh, say, this is how I'm going to be in a relationship with you, but it's a gift in that God says, this is how you're going to be in a relationship with each other. Don't steal from each other. Don't hurt one another. Don't kill one another. Don't covet. Don't lust after. Don't uh, greed after other people's stuff. That's what the law does. The law sets up, these Ten Commandments set up how we're going to be in a relationship with God and how we're going to be in a relationship with one another. God says the ground rules are changing. It's going to be different. I not only care about how you relate to me as God, but I care about how you're going to relate to one another. And it's important enough to where I'm going to make it a law. I'm going to make it a law. And so he runs through. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Reminds them who he is. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, if you think of of uh, our day today, you think of all the different, like kind of we live in like a pluralistic society where people come up. I, it's interesting. I, uh, I was doing a wedding this past summer and uh, these guys came from, uh, came from Kentucky. Now, I, I'm from the South, so I can make fun of the South. Um, these guys came in from Kentucky and uh, this, this one guy comes up to me and he goes, uh, he goes, I hear you were Lutheran. I go, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm at a Lutheran church. And he goes, uh, I never heard of no Lutherans. But you heard of Buddha? I'm like, yeah, I've heard of Buddha. And he starts talking about Buddha. And this guy's never heard of Lutherans, but he's heard, he's heard of Buddha. You know? And he goes, well, we got a lot of Baptists where we live. I go, yep, I know, I know you do. I'm from the South as well. Um, so you can think of our own culture today. We people talking about Buddha. We have people talking about Muhammad. We have people talking about all the different religions that they have, all the different denominations even. all this. We kind of live in this pluralistic world. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that was going on in the time of the Israelites. There was a God for every single little thing. There was a God for it. And God says, no, 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 this is it. There's only one God and I'm it. So you cannot have any other gods before you. Um, Don't make an image for yourself of anything else. So don't try to put me in an object. Don't try to put me in an object. You should not misuse the name of the Lord. You shall not... Uh, hold anyone guiltless who uh, misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. So all of these rules, all of these regulations are about relationship with one another. 
Now, it's the first time that these people have heard God, and so there's this, this loud, thunderous thing going on in, in verse 18, and they, they can't handle it. They can't handle a personal relationship with God. Now, for you and I today, if people don't have a personal relationship with God, we wonder what's going on. It is a complete reversal. God has come down and said, here's some, here's some rules here I want, I want you to live together, and I want to communicate with you. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to be with you. And they can't handle it. And so what do they do? They go back to Moses. And Moses says to them, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll mediate this conversation. I'll mediate this relationship. I'll come between you and God. And that's what Moses does. So then Moses goes back up, up onto the mountain. And it's, it's almost like, um, well, it's not almost like, it is. God gives the people these 10 big laws, these big, big ideas. And then the rest of uh, chapter, um, uh, all the way from chapter uh, 21, 22, 23, and a little bit of 24 um, in Exodus, Moses is up on the mountain um, getting the details. So how's all this going to work? And so if you read in your Bibles um, the next couple chapters, it's all about how are you going to be socially responsible, how are you going to protect each other's property, how are you going to uh, have laws that, that create justice, what happens if you, if you hurt somebody uh, personally, if someone gets a, a personal injury, how are you going to deal with all these things? So God is deep into the details in these relationships. And God works uh, through Moses in telling Moses this. It's almost like uh, a prenuptial agreement. God is saying, these are the things. These are the things. We're going we're to be in a relationship, but these are the things. And I want you to know these things before we get in to this relationship. You need to know what's going on. It's like when uh, my, uh, my wife and I were first dating, and we all of a sudden, I thought, you know, this is going to be the woman for me. And we had, we had dinner one night, um, and this is before I, I actually uh, popped a question. But I said to her, I said, I got to tell you something. This is pretty serious. And this was like 14 years ago. And uh, she looked at me, and I looked at her. She goes, she goes what, what, what is it? I said, I need you to know I've got bad credit. I've got bad credit. And if we're going to get in this relationship, I, I owe on a bunch of stuff. I did a lot of weird stuff when I was in college. Um, and before we get into this any further, I want you to know that you're going <laughs> to you're gonna jump in with me, and you're going to have to help pay, me, pay off my debts and help me get my credit rating back. That's what it is. God is saying, these are the details. I want you to know this before you say yes. There's nothing hidden here. If you're going to say yes to this relationship, God says, this is what I'm going to expect. So Moses comes down off the mountain, and in chapter 24, uh, he tells all, uh, in chapter 23, uh, 24, verse 3, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and all the laws, this is what the people said. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything that the Lord had said. So their imaginations are changed. They have now this God who is giving them laws and rules and regulations, and they know up front what's going to happen. And they say yes. My wife said yes. They said yes to this, to this relationship. It's a very different way of being God and people. 
God says, are you okay with this? And they said, yes. It's a very different way of being God and being God's people. Um, so then we're going to move into uh, Moses goes back up on the mountain and begins to have this further conversation with God. And the conversation is all about um, changing the whole idea of God being in a certain place or being in an object. Now, as you remember, God was on the mountain. They went to the mountain. Right when they left Egypt, they went straight. It took them about six weeks to get there, but they got to the mountain, and that's where God was. Now, the people thought they were going to be there, that that's where they were going to hang out. But no, God says, you're going to have to leave this place, and you're going to wander in the wilderness for about 36 to 37, 38 more years before you find the promised land, before you move into the land that I have prepared for you. Um, and God decides that he's going to spend time with Moses. Now, if you think about it, what's going on is that God is preparing the people for God to move with them. All the chapters, Exodus 25 through 31, are all these details about the tabernacle, about this house that God is going to have the people make. And not only is this going to be a house where God is going to be, it's going to be in the middle of the community. It's going to be right in the center of the people. So God is no longer on the mountain. God is at the center of the community. Now, not only is God going to be at the center of the community, but the tabernacle is going to be able to be mobile. It is going to move with them. God is going to go with them. So now we're getting to a little bit more of, of an understanding that we have. God is everywhere. God is all around. God is continuing to change the people's imagination about who God is. So God's no longer in the mountain. God's in the center of the community. Not only is God in the center of the community, but God is going to be mobile. So spends all this time in Exodus walking through the details of what this is going to look like. God is at the ring shop buying the ring. The people have said, yes, there's, a, there, there's going to be a relationship. There is going to be a, a marriage. There's going to be a, a wedding. And God's at the ring shop. And guess what the people are doing while God's at the ring shop? They're cheating. They're cheating. Moses has been up on the mountain way, way too long with God, coming up with this plan this relationship is, 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 God is so excited. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you now in this tabernacle. And uh, the people freak out. They freak out. They build all snap. <laughs> it's exactly right. They build a golden calf. They go to Aaron. They go, Aaron, you know what? We, we, we need to see God. We need God. And so they build a golden calf. Now, I don't know how many of you, there may be some of you in this room who know or have, have gone through um, a cheating situation. Either someone's cheated on you, um, maybe, maybe you were at the ring shop and you were buying the ring for your fiancé, and you come out of the ring shop and there your fiancé is with some other guy or some other girl. It's devastating. It destroys you. That relationship is over. There's no more relationship. You are broken. You are bruised. You are going to take that ring back, and you're going to get your money back if you don't throw it out of anger and then have to run around and try to find it. That relationship's over. 
Now, I talked about the heart of God. God's heart is so clear in this moment. Because God does reserve, while God does reserve judgment on God's people, and there is like a little plague that a mini plague comes among the people, and and there is some judgment that happens, God says it's not over. It's not over. I love you so much that even though you cheated on me, even though you've hurt me, even though you've gone behind my back, while I was at the ring shop preparing for the wedding, You cheated on me, and I'm still your God. That's the heart of God. That's not the heart of a human being. Now, there are some of us that probably know people that have been so forgiving, that have gone through tons and tons of counseling when that happened. And if you know somebody, if that's you and that's happened, I want to celebrate that because that is a beautiful thing to be able to repair relationships. But it is unbelievably difficult to do. And God says, They're still my people. They're still my people. That is the heart of God. So then God says to God's people, all right, you've built the tabernacle. We're going to be moving through to Exodus 40. God is the center of the community. God moves with the people. And what does that do? If God's at the center of the community and God is mobile and God moves with God's people, not only does it, does it show that God really cares about this relationship and God's going to do everything God can do to keep that relationship healthy and whole, God is going to be faithful. But when God is at the center of the community and when God moves with God's people, and especially in, in a culture that needed to see a visual of God, that tabernacle was huge. It wasn't just a small little building. It was massive. When it's in the center of the community, it moves you know that it's there. Every single person in that community knows that God is there. Not just a few, not just for the priests, not just for the, 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 um, the, the, the select few of people. Uh, they get the privilege of knowing God. Everybody can see God. Everybody has access to God. It's very different from what they had normally met. Normally, the priests gave you access to God. Normally, the, the religious leaders gave you access to God. And now said, no. God said, no. Everyone has access to me. Everyone can see me. Everyone's going to know that I am there. And they needed it. Because for the next 28, or excuse me, the next 38 some years, they were going to be wandering in the wilderness. So why does this matter? I mean, we're, we're reading this stuff, and it's kind of cool. But why, did, why did it matter to them? Why did it matter to the Israelites? Well, the radical notion that God would move with the people illustrates the power of God's relationship. God cares about this relationship with God's people. God changes the rules. It's a radical shift. No longer in a place, but with the people. Um, God says, I am with you. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. Where you go, I will go. And not only that, but I will lead you. And it made all the difference in the world for a group of Israelites. And all the next thousand years or so, you're going to see an Israelite people that are going to be dominated militarily, 
they're going to be in exile numerous times. They're going to be taken into slavery numerous times. Um, they're going to try to come back to their land over and, and over and over again. And it matters to a group of people who are always dominated that God's there with them. That God's there with them. That no matter what happens, God is going to be faithful and God will not abandon them. So I want to fast forward now about 1,400 years. And imaginations of God's people have been captured again. This is the time of Jesus. When Jesus comes upon the scene, they've built, again, they've built, the, the, the Israelite people have, have, have kind of, their imaginations are captured and they've built themselves a temple. Now, the temple was a great place when it first started, right? Solomon wanted to build this temple. It was going to be a, a great temple because he wanted to honor God. But what did it do? The temple made God inaccessible again. The temple was a place that you had to go to get your God. The temple was a place that was controlled by the priests, particularly the Sadducees, the high priests. They were the ones that had access to God. And 1,400 years later, God does what God always does. God changed the rules. And in Jesus Christ comes God in a human being. Now, there are a lot of scholars still today who debate whether or not God was fully human or fully divine or some of both or half and half. And I'm not here to, to get into that with you guys today. I am here to say God changed the rules again. And in Jesus Christ, God says, I'm here. I love and want a relationship with these human beings who continually cheat on me all the time. And Jesus Christ is coming, has come. And when we talk about um, God being in human, that God being inside of us, God working in us, that happened through Jesus Christ has come. And why does that matter for us? I mean, it, it really mattered for the Israelites to have that tabernacle, to, to know that God was moving with them. So why does it matter to us that God says, I am with you. I am in you. I care enough about you to come as another human being so that you would know me. A few months ago, a good friend of my wife, we grew up to high school together. Um, our families know each other. They have the kids the exact same age. Um, started through going through a divorce. There's nothing that any of us ever imagined in our group of friends. It shook a lot of our, our friendships with this couple, especially uh, the guy. A lot of us became very angry and upset with him. And I remember uh, seeing uh, my wife's friend who uh, he was giving me permission to, to share her story. Um, she had lost a ton of weight. And she was not a big person to begin with. She, was, she looked like she needed to go in the hospital. This divorce was changing everything about what she thought was real, what she, what she thought was, was right in the world, 
what she thought, what she imagined for her life with her kids. I mean, she kept thinking about Christmases and birthdays and all the different things that they were going to do as a family. And they were all going to be gone. Everything was changed. And it was months of them walking through this and going through counseling and trying to fix it and not really knowing that, that he was already with someone else and didn't tell her. So they're going through counseling through all this, and she didn't know that he was not going to stay. He was just going through the motions. And I remember one day my wife and I were coming back from a, a short trip, and her phone rings, and it's her, one of her friends. And her friend says, you know, you really need to give uh, Kari a phone call. You need to give her a phone call. She's not doing well. And, and my wife, who is an introvert and who d- didn't really want me to share this story, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I need to give her a call. I'll give her a call. So we're talking on the, on the, way, on the way home. And she's like, yeah, I sh- I'll give her a call. I'm like, yeah, why don't you give her a call? Why don't you, you know, why don't you guys go hang out and do something tonight? She, then she, she started asking these questions and started having this conversation that most of us do. She started going, well, maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe she's busy. Maybe she just wants alone time. You know, maybe she doesn't, maybe she doesn't want anybody to bother. Maybe she needs time, you know. All these kind of things that come into our mind when someone says, you know, give somebody a call. You kind of have these questions and doubts on whether or not we actually ought to reach out. Well, what happened was is my wife said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send her a text. She sent her a text. What she didn't know was at the very moment that my wife was kind of hemming and hawing about whether or not she ought to connect. And the very moment she sent that text, her friend was at her parents' house, in the kitchen, on the floor, in the dark, curled up in a ball, crying and wanting God to show up, screaming God's name. God, I need you. I need you. Help me. I need you. The light from the cell phone comes on. It's my wife's text. And what she told me is that the only reason why she knew that that phone came on, because she had it on silent, because it was dark in the house. So this light comes on. She answers the phone, or she gets the text. She texts my wife back, and about 20 minutes later, she comes over to our house. And they spend the night watching one of the Twilight movies. I don't even know which one it was. They didn't even watch the movie, though, because they were talking for hours. That's why it matters. That's why when God comes to us and comes as a human being, and we now have our imaginations changed radically, that God's not just in a place somewhere, that God's not disinterested, that God is mobile with us, and that God is in you and in me. That's what matters. And that's the power that you have. That's the power that this community has. Because in your life right now, there is someone laying on the floor in the dark, somebody that you know who needs that phone call. It's that simple. It's not that complicated. It is that simple. It doesn't mean it's easy to do. But it's that simple. And that's why it matters for you and I. 
because we get the great privilege of being in faithful relationships with the people around us. And when we are in faithful relationships with the people around us, we get to share the heart of God. And the heart of God says, come on over. Be with me. I will hold you. Even though you are in the wilderness, I am with you. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. And you never know, maybe you'll get to watch a Twilight movie. Or not. Let's pray. Lord God, your story is an old story. And it may seem dusty and back thousands of years. But it is our story. And it's a new story. And that story continues to shape us continues to guide us, continues to move us in the right direction, continues to open our eyes so that we can see each other as your people. We give you thanks that you continue to radically change our own imaginations about where you are and why it matters. We give you thanks that you continue to move in the lives of those around us because we need them to be in faithful relationships so that we can know who you are and know who we are. And Lord God, as a, as a guest in this community, I just want to pray and give you thanks for this community of Awaken. Two, over two years ago, you've moved in the lives of a lot of people to bring this community together. And I guess I would just ask, Lord, that you would continue to move and those that aren't here, and those that are, that this would be a light, this community would shine in the lives of all of those that they connect with. And then, Lord, for each individual in this room, we ask that you would give them courage and strength to send that text, to make that phone call, to have that coffee, to reach out to that hurting friend or family member so that they may know that no matter what pain that they have, no matter what they're going through, that they're not alone, that they're not abandoned, and that they are loved. Amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.